are going to be looking at John 14 tonight, John 14, specifically verses 13 and 14. These past Sunday nights, we have been thinking about powerful, uh, effective prayer, and uh, some things we've learned uh, is that powerful and effective prayer is prayer unto God with feeling, uh, and especially uh, by the church together. Uh, That was the first week. We've also learned that powerful and effective prayer rises out of uh, Christians' obedience to God and desire to please God. This week we learn more about powerful and effective prayer and that it's prayer prayed in the name of Jesus. That's what we see here in John 14. This is part of what is known as the upper room discourse. Jesus here is teaching His disciples uh, on the eve of His crucifixion. Um, And in verses 13 and 14 of John 14, this is what our Lord says. Hear God's Word read for you now. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. That's God's Word for us tonight. There's no doubt that this is, this is one of those passages of Scripture uh, that can be uh, easily misunderstood and abused. There's also no doubt that this passage of Scripture is meant to communicate wonderful spiritual truth to the people of God. Uh, Just because it's misused and mishandled doesn't mean we should, of course, throw it out. It does have something wonderful and glorious to say to us. And so we want to make sure uh, that we understand it rightly. How should we think about what Jesus says here? How should we think about this promise that He will do whatever we ask in His name? Does that mean that we can just use Jesus' name as a sort of a, a talisman, uh, as something that is just to bring us good luck or power, you know, like a, like a lucky rabbit's foot? Uh, is, does this mean that the name of Jesus is just something we can recite and add to the end of our prayers and it, it'll make all of our wishes come true? Well, I think all of us here tonight know uh, that is not the case. So how do, we, how do we need to understand this concept of praying in Jesus' name? Well, we need to understand it tonight as first an endorsement, second as a limitation, and third as a guarantee. Praying in Jesus' name is an endorsement, a limitation, and a guarantee. So first, praying in Jesus' name is an endorsement. It's an endorsement. R.A. Torrey gives the illustration of a check. If I write a, a check to myself for $200 and I go to Chemical Bank in McBain to cash that check, I am going to the bank in my name. By the way, I've never understood, like my mom used to do this, why do you write checks to yourself? Just go to the ATM machine, but whatever. Um, <laughs> if I write a check in my name and I go to the bank in my name, right? I am asking for money in in my name. If that check is, if, if I'm the one who signed that check, I'm asking for money in my name. The only thing that matters then 
is whether I have $200 in the bank. If I have $200 in the bank, I will cash that check. If I do not, that check will not cash. But if you, if you write me a check for $200 and I go to Chemical Bank in McBain and I cash that check, then I'm not asking for money in my name. I'm asking for money in, in your name. And at that point, it does not matter whether I have $200 in the bank, it matters whether you have $200 in the bank because you have endorsed the check and I am going and asking for money in your name. Right? If you have $200 in your checking account, that check will be cashed. If you do not, that check will bounce. It does not matter what's in my account because I'm not there in my name. I'm there in your name. The same thing happens in prayer. In prayer, we might think of ourselves as going to, going to the bank of heaven. And even as I say that, I'm reminded of what John Calvin said about prayer. He said, prayer is the means by which we reach the riches that are laid up for us in heaven. And I love that quote. But, but in prayer, we, we might think of ourselves as, as going to the bank of heaven. Now, guess what? If you, if you go to the bank of heaven with a check signed in your name, it is going to bounce because you don't have anything deposited there. You don't have any credit there. Spiritually speaking, you are bankrupt. Sin has put your account deep into the red. But Jesus, Jesus has, Jesus has unlimited deposits in the bank of heaven. The riches of Christ stored up for His people in heaven are, are unsearchable. He has, he has unlimited deposits in the bank of heaven. He has infinite credit in the bank of heaven. He has so much credit in the bank of heaven that never, ever, 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 ever in the history of the world has a check endorsed by Jesus Christ bounced in heaven. Never. And so when we come to God in prayer, we come through Jesus and we come in the name of Jesus. God doesn't listen to us because of who, who we are, He listens to us and He answers us because of who Jesus is as our Savior. When we pray in the name of Jesus, He signs the check of our prayers. It is His name that is an endorsement on all we ask. And so on the one hand here, we, we have to remember again that prayer Prayer is not the fundamental right of, of the human. I think many who are living in unbelief just think they can go and talk to God whenever they want. They have this sort of, you know, prayer is just the right. God created me and God is, you know, I'm a child because God created me and I can just talk to God whenever I want. Prayer is not the fundamental right of the human. Prayer is the privilege of the believer. As Jesus says just a few verses before this in John 14, 6, Plain as day, right? No one comes to the Father except through me. Right? No one comes to the Father except through me. If you're not a believer in Jesus, don't be so proud as to think that you can, you can pray to God. You cannot. We can only come to God in Jesus' name. We only have access to God through Jesus' name. 
On the other hand, this, this forces us to think about what our hope is in prayer and about why we expect God to answer our prayers. Praying in Jesus' name, I think it's, it's helpful to end our prayers, you know, in Jesus' name or for Jesus' sake. I think that's very helpful. That's how I do it. And that reminds me uh, that, I'm, that I am praying in Jesus' name and approaching God through Jesus. But, but praying in Jesus' name is, is more than just, you know, reciting that phrase and saying those words. It's, it's an attitude of the heart, ultimately. And this forces us to think about, about what our hope is in prayer and about what our heart is resting on in, in prayer. One pastor tells of a time he received a letter from uh, another believer. This pastor was quite well-known, and he did a lot of speaking, and so people would kind of look to him for guidance and counsel. The letter said, I am in great perplexity. I have been praying for a long time for something that I am confident is according to God's will, but I do not get it. I have been a member of the Presbyterian Church for 30 years and have tried to be consistent all this time. I have been superintendent in Sunday school for 25 years and an elder in our church for 20 years, and yet God does not answer my prayer, and I don't understand it. Can you explain this to me? Well, the pastor who received this letter, he detected something that maybe you also detected in the letter's tone, and he sat down and he wrote a letter back to this man saying this, it is perfectly easy to explain. You think that because you have been a consistent church member for 30 years, a faithful Sunday school superintendent for 25 years, and an elder in the church for 20 years, that God is under obligation to answer your prayer. The reality is you are praying in your own name, and God will not hear our prayers when we approach Him that way. We need to be careful to remember that our hope in prayer is in Christ. And whatever we receive through prayer, we receive only through the precious blood of Christ. So when we pray in Jesus' name, we need need to think of it as an endorsement, just like how someone might endorse a check. And the reason we have to believe that our prayers will be heard is because we are going to the bank of heaven in Christ's name. Second, praying in Jesus' name is a limitation. Okay, we must understand that when Jesus says, ask for anything in my name, the phrase in my name defines the word anything. I should say defines and limits the word anything. James Boyce gives a helpful illustration. He talks about a place uh, in Keswick, New Jersey called the Colony of Mercy. Uh, Boyce has been gone for 20 years. This place, I don't know if it still exists, but there was a place that used to exist there called the Colony of Mercy, and this was a place for alcoholics who've hit rock bottom and need to recover. And this place, you know, brings the gospel to these men and, and utilizes the gospel as a means of recovery, which is, which is a good and noble and worthy endeavor. Anyway, this, this place was founded by a man named William Rawls, and it was now run by his son Addison Rawls. Boyce then says, imagine that one of the men becomes tired of the rules of the colony and he leaves it for the nearby town where he heads to the nearest bar. He enters the bar and he says to the bartender, give me a shot of gin in Raw's name. The bartender is about to fill the order, but then the owner of the bar steps out and asks, what is it you said you wanted? 
And the man said, I wanted a shot of gin in Ra's name. The owner of the bar begins to question the customer. Do you mean Addison Ra's of the Colony of Mercy, the man whose father founded the colony and whose work it is to take a bum like you and make a man of him? Is that who you mean? Yes, sir. That's who I mean, replied the man. The face of the owner clouded over with sternness. You're a liar. How dare you charge this drink to Raw's? If you were really coming here in Raw's name, you would have passed this place by, or if you had come in, you would be looking for someone like yourself to take back to the colony. Raw's is not a drinking man, and those who come in his name are no customers of mine. You get it? When Jesus says, ask for anything in my name, that phrase, in my name, defines and limits the word anything. We can only ask for that which is consistent with Jesus' character and purpose. We can only ask for that which is in accord with His name. We certainly can't ask for that which is sinful and self-serving. That would make us out to be liars. God would say, God would say, you know, you might have come to me in the name of Jesus, but, but your request, but your request shows that you are not here in the name of Jesus. You're a liar. You're a poser. Another passage which is helpful now is 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. Here we're told really the same thing, but in a slightly different way. This is what we read. 1 John 5, 14. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. This is the same John who wrote the Gospel of John, right? So, So, in his Gospel, John says that powerful and effective prayer is prayer prayed in the name of Jesus, and then in his letter... John says that powerful and effective prayer is prayer prayed according to the will of God. So which is it? Well, it's it's both. It's both. Prayer prayed in the name of Jesus is prayer prayed according to the will of God. And prayer prayed according to the will of God is going to be ultimately prayer prayed in the name of Jesus. So when Jesus has asked for anything in my name, the implication is that we ask for anything which conforms to His character and His purposes and His will and His word. And then He's revealed some of those things to us, hasn't He, right? Lord Jesus, help me to love my neighbor as myself. That would certainly be a prayer request that conforms to Jesus' character and purposes. Lord, Lord Jesus, grant me wisdom to navigate this complex situation for your glory. That would be a prayer request which conforms to his, to his will and purposes. Lord Jesus, help me to forgive this person who sinned against me. Lord Jesus, help me to be patient with my children. Lord Jesus, help me to glorify you in the midst of this trial I'm going through. Now, that's just a a small sampling of the anything that Jesus invites us to ask for in His name. But all of those prayers are prayers that would be consistent with Christ's character and purposes and will. The point is, right, when He tells us to pray in His name, He is is putting a limitation on our petitions. He's saying, "I'm, 
I'm not, I'm not inviting you to treat me like a, you know, Aladdin's lamp here, like a genie in a bottle who will, who will give you all that you want. I'm inviting you to ask for the very things that are consistent with me and my ministry and my mission. This is what you are to use my name to receive for yourself. And I'm saying that if you do use my name to receive these things for yourself, you will receive them. I will, I will give them to you. And that leads us to the last point. And this is maybe the one we really need to hear. Praying in the name of Jesus is an endorsement. It's a limitation. But last we see that, that praying in the name of Jesus is, is, is certain. Is that how I started? Is that the first word I used too? Guaranteed. Certain guaranteed. They're synonyms, right? I was going to say that didn't sound right, but guaranteed, certain, all means the same thing. Close enough anyway. Jesus here doesn't say, does he? I might do whatever you ask in my name. That's not what he says. Nor does he say, I'll, I'll, I'll think about doing what you ask in my name. No, he says, he says, I will do it. I will. It's certain. He will do it. And this is, I think, where many of us often fail. In Mark eleven twenty four, and we actually, this is just the verse after we ended in our study of Mark this morning, and we'll look at it again next week on Sunday morning, but Mark eleven twenty four, Jesus says this, He says, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. I think we need to, to do a better job of believing that we have received it. R.C. Sproul tells this story. He says, many years ago when I was on staff at a church, a woman came to me for counsel because of her unrelieved feelings of guilt over a sin she had committed in the past. I advised her that she needed forgiveness from God. And the only possible way for her to receive forgiveness was to repent. When I told her that, she became irritated. She said, I thought you were a theologian. She was looking for a technical, sophisticated answer to her moral dilemma, something that she could not expect to find from people in her prayer group. She said, I have asked God 50 times to forgive me for this sin, and I'm still overwhelmed by guilt. So I told her to pray one more time and repent of her sin. At that point, she became very irritated and said, I have told you that I have asked God to forgive me many times. I have repented. Why do I still feel guilty? So I said to her, sprawl talking now, yes, you need to pray for forgiveness one more time. But this time you need to pray that God will forgive you for another sin. Arrogance. Of course, she did not understand the point I was making and became even more irate, so I asked her to read James 1, 9. If we confess our sins, that's 1 John 1, 9. I didn't do a very good job in my notes. I apologize. 1 John uh, 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Then I explained to her that she had confessed her sin But she did not feel forgiven because she did not believe God's promise of forgiveness. She could not accept that forgiveness is so easy. 
She thought she needed to do more, and that was arrogance. She simply needed to pray in faith, believing that God would forgive her just as He promised He would. That's the problem, isn't it, often? We 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 don't grasp the certainty of this promise that Jesus makes. That which Jesus promises is in His Word, things like forgiveness, things like wisdom, things like um, grace to navigate trials, the fruit of the Spirit, right? The things that Jesus promises us in His Word, we can be certain that we receive through prayer in His name. Now, there are a number of things that are not promised to us in His Word. Physical healing, for instance, is not promised to any one of us in God's Word. The salvation of a loved one, for instance, is not promised to any one of us in God's Word. There are a number of things that are not promised, and certainly it's not wrong to pray for these things. In fact, it's good to pray for these things. Jesus calls us to cast all our cares, all our anxiety on Him. But we need to understand that this is where the if it be thy will part comes into play. But there is no need to include the phrase, if it be thy will, regarding the things which have been promised to us in Scripture. We don't pray, Lord Jesus, forgive my sins, if it be thy will. No, He's told us. He's told us that He will forgive our sins when we confess them in Jesus' name. We don't even pray, Lord, grant me wisdom if it be thy will, because because God has told us in his word, if anyone needs wisdom, let him ask God and God will give it. Okay, there are things God has promised us, things he has expressly said, these are consistent with with, with, uh, the character and purposes of Christ that you can ask for in his name. And when we ask for these things in Jesus' name, we can be sure, and we need to be sure that we've received them. And for many of us, it's not, that we, it's not that we haven't received that which we've asked for in Jesus' name. We're like this woman. It's simply, it's simply that we haven't believed. We haven't believed we've received it. But Jesus isn't lying here. He's not lying when He says, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. He's not. And so let us be a people who, who go to God in the name of Christ. And who continually make requests that are consistent with the character and purposes of God in Christ. And let us believe. Let us believe that we receive that for which we've asked from the hand of Christ. Let's pray. Lord God, we... Thank you again tonight for the great gift of prayer. And we thank you for the wonderful promise given to us by our Savior that if we ask for anything in His name, He will give it. We thank you for the many things that He's given to us already, many things which we haven't even realized because we haven't even believed that it's so true. Help us, Lord, with our unbelief, and help us to pray in Jesus' name for His glory. Amen. Why don't you stand up and we'll sing the, uh, or we'll give you the parting blessing and then we'll sing our closing song.
Brothers and sisters, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May He turn His face toward you and grant you His peace. Amen. We're going to close with number 428. 428 in the gray book again. Sorry. Uh, Worship the King. And we'll do verses 1, 1, 2, and 3. 1, 2, and 3, Karen, of 428.